being inside the porn star's anus was like this weird kind of like fleshy, warm, kind of like a little bit wet, but not super wet, pulsating, just like lightly pulsating. It was like this perfect pinkish, reddish color. And I wasn't getting like sexually aroused, but it was just like, that's kind of beautiful. The following podcast contains explicit language. Thanksgiving Day, Texas. A well-known preacher from Odessa sits down to dinner with his son, his son's boyfriend, a gay policeman he picked up on Grinder in the Bay Area of California, his son's biological daughter, Sochi, and Sochi's actual parents, a trans man his son once hooked up with, and the cis woman the trans man ended up marrying. When they decided they wanted to have children, his son decided to donate sperm. And now that son is Christopher Trout, executive editor of Engadget and a longtime friend of Sex Lives. If you remember his name, it's probably from the time he came on the show to tell us how he used a teledildonic dick sleeve to fuck himself in the ass. Correct. Um, Chris, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk to you about several things. Uh-huh. There's a lot uh, of things to talk about. So much. I want to talk about, well, how is your daughter? Do you call yourself a surrogate father? Well, okay, so she calls me Jaja because we wanted something that was repetitive and also fabulous. But uh-huh. I am, I guess, like a bio dad, if you want to put a label on it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I helped two of my friends have a baby, and now I am, like, the third I don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you want to be, I guess. Yeah, but I'm involved in her life, right? Which Mm -hmm. I think is kind of uncommon. To back up a little, Chris is a gay man. Yes. Um, He helped his two very close friends, a straight cis woman and a trans man, have a baby. Yes. And how did that go? Uh, It went swimmingly. Uh, It was a really long process because we decided not to, or they decided not to do like any sort of like medical intervention. Mm -hmm. So it was all done, you know, like me jacking off into a cup at their house and then Levi would take the cup Uh and they would use like an animal syringe to get the jizz out of the cup. And then he would then give it to Yvette and Yvette would. Would uh, they hook up when they did that? No. So Yvette was like absolutely 100% like, fuck that. That's not hot. No. There's nothing yeah. good. There's nothing hot about this situation. Like I'm, you know, I'm being filled up with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Levi and I hooked up before Yvette and, and Levi hooked up, but Yvette and I never had anything going on, you know? Oh, so. really? So was, which, which one was your friend first or just, uh, so I met Yvette first. Yvette's dad is actually the owner of the largest porn chain like chain of porn shops or adult novelty shops in texas and i met her at a party and we just happened to have similar interests and this is in san francisco this was in austin austin texas because Uh, the other thing i want to get to later is your (laughs) rural texas upbringing raised by a preacher yeah my dad's a preacher Mm -hmm. but before we go there so you're living in austin and that's how you met Yvette. Yvette. So I met Yvette and I think we met out like at a party or something like that. uh, And we just kind of like really hit it off. And I ended up doing graphic design for her dad's sex shops for a little while Mm -hmm. and like helped them pass out condoms for promotions and things like that. And then she and I met Levi together and Levi and I kind of hit it off and 
I tried to sleep with him, had a mild freak out, ended up running home one night drunkenly what? On, Why? on the access road in Austin. I don't know if it was like, I, I don't want to say transphobia because I wasn't like afraid, but I was just also like uh, maybe not as delicate as I could have been with the situation. Mm-hmm. He didn't seem to care ultimately, like he was totally cool Sincere. about it best friends and (laughs) family now now have a child um so it sounds like you were perhaps drinking and then oh i was wasted yeah so you're wasted and then you're up in your head and you kind of freak out you run home but you guys stay friends anyways yeah yeah and then uh and at that point it was like clear that he and i were not going to be a couple right yeah and yvette went in for the kill and so yeah Go the back. rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the dis- how you made the decision to become the Jaja to to donate your sperm to them. Well, so I was like second choice, which is totally fucked up because I think their <laughs> fr- I think their first choice was like I don't know. I I don't want to I don't want to talk shit or anything, but I had come to visit and I was staying with them and we'd been drinking and I think I was probably like you know wearing next to nothing because it was a summer in Texas or in the mm-hmm. backyard drinking tequila and like, you know, uh, at some point it was like, so you guys, you're going to have a kid or, <laughs> and Yvette was like, Oh yeah, well we we're still talking about it. And actually interesting that you brought it up because, uh, we were going to ask you, and I was like, well, if you want, I mean, I'm free. You know what's so beautiful about the story? What's that? Think of all of the traditional, like, cis-hetero couples that drunkly are like, well, let's make a baby. <laughs> I'm so glad that there's a drunk moment in the beginning yeah. of yours, too. Well, it began <laughs> drunk, and it ended, well, not ended, I guess it's never over until we're all dead, right? But um, like it's very dark. But yes. Right. Like, to, the the fertilization there. process. But yeah, the fertilization, like the actual, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you call that? Insemination? Yeah. Uh, that also happened drunkenly, which was kind of weird because we'd spent months and months and months just like traveling back and forth. I was traveling to Austin. They were traveling to Oakland. Where you were living at the time. Yeah. And so we were bouncing back and forth. And so each time what you travel, try to be in the same place. Well, while she her was fertility window. Right. Whatever they call it. That's what my new period cycling <laughs> app on my phone calls it. The fertility window. Are you trying window. to get pregnant? No. I, I see the fertility window coming and I'm like, no sex. Like so fucking careful with the condoms. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, this is the only reason that I know these things. Right. So we were doing the opposite of that. We yeah. Were try, we were trying to. We were trying to get pregnant. So you so. try to be in the same place the, while right. while she's fertile. You jack off, hand it over. Levi runs over to Yvette. Mm-hmm. Yvette takes it mm-hmm. and takes it. Were there any like medical professionals in this process? Or so you yeah, they had consulted. They consulted with some people, and I think that they had like a some kind of like coach or uh but you didn't meet that person oh no uh -uh. uh-uh the only thing that i ever really had to do was like sign you know sign away my rights and uh do like a motility test sperm is that motility Uh, yeah for like how well they're swimming around right how modal is your sperm Pretty modal, I guess. Right. I mean, modal <laughs> enough to turkey based. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, so like we had done this forever and I, we basically reached this point where we'd always been doing it in the window, right? Like we'd always mm-hmm. been waiting until the moment and we would do it like twice in a weekend or something like that. Right. Uh, and I was just like, fuck it. This is not the way that people get pregnant. Like all of my friends, all of my straight friends mm-hmm. who've gotten pregnant just get fucked up one night. They have sex like they do other nights, presumably, mm-hmm. and they end up pregnant, right? So yeah. it's like, let's just get drunk, and I will jizz into whatever's available. Before Wait, so that you mean been... that you are going to 
have sex? With oh no, them, I was. Ne- we were never going to have sex. But the the point the point being that we had been like very measured about it before. She wasn't drinking during the process. Oh, she was, like, gotcha. She was very measured about like how everything was happening. And this time, I was just like, "Fuck it, throw caution to the wind. We're just going to do it." Multiple times throughout the week, we're going to drink like we would any other time because fuck it. It hasn't worked until now. Right. So like, let's just go for it. So we did. They ran out of sterile cups. I jizzed into some like neon uh, shot glass (laughs) disposable (laughs) shot glass they had laying around. And yeah, it worked. So now we have Sochi. She's so cute. Are you ever going to tell her that she might have come out of a neon shot glass? I think actually I think they will. I think (laughs) that they may have already. Who knows? I mean, obviously, she. I don't know if she knows about, you know sex she's like three so yeah she might not know like comprehends what that is but yeah yeah jaja hooked up with papa maybe not (laughs) yet someday i'm sure sure that one day she will have the full story what was um talking about what your role would be like both maybe before you you know she was born and then over these last three years they don't have a bunch of hang-ups about this stuff or about their identity or any of that and i don't either it was just really natural right Mm -hmm. like I was like, hey, if you want to, you want a kid, I'm around. And they're like, cool, then let's do that. Right. Uh And it happened. And then it was like, uh, you know, we need you to sign these papers, but we want you to be involved. And it would be nice if your parents were involved, too. And I was like, really great. So, yeah, my parents are also super close. We spend every Thanksgiving together. uh, All the family. Right. Like my my hyper conservative sister and her husband and kids, my my two parents who are, you know, liberal but religious and then mm-hmm. our clan all wow. come together and whoever I'm fucking at the time usually comes to dinner, <laughs> which is real fun. <laughs> what is that like? Is like this, that sort of like combination of well, it's such weird different people. Because as you pointed out earlier, my dad's a preacher, mm-hmm. right? Um, when your father is a minister and the type of minister that my dad is, who like draws from personal experience a lot, it can be kind of intense. So, like, I took all of them to church once. Uh-huh. You uh, took all who's the them? Yvette and Levi and Sochi, okay. right? Like, the family. Uh, well, while we were there for Thanksgiving. And I don't usually go to church, but they felt like the need to do it to support my dad. And I was like, yeah. cool. So we'll do it. We show up. My dad is, like, going on and on. Points us out in the fucking crowd, the congregation. Everybody's looking at wow. us. Everybody's like, oh, you must be little Sochi. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know about her? Right. And they're like, oh, you must be Yvette and Levi. And I'm like, how do you know? He had told the congregation absolutely everything. And like maybe personal things that not everybody wanted everybody else to know. Wow. Wait, where where in Texas is this? So he's in New Mexico now. He's in Los Alamos, New Mexico. But yeah. That must be a relatively conservative region of the country. It's surprisingly that one pocket, I think, is surprisingly Ah. not because it's next to a a national laboratory. So it's a bunch of like engineers and their families. And what kind of Christian is he? I don't even know how to phrase that question. (laughs) Speaking of like things that we delicately don't know how to talk about, the one I don't know how to talk about (laughs) is like the most obvious thing. Yeah, but also, but also, he's Methodist. You don't need to. You don't need to have any sensitivity around that shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's a Methodist minister, so it's Protestant. You know, the Methodists are super whatever liberal folks for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, so what? yeah okay wait side note though this is amazing that since he like draws from his personal experience and talks about it to the congregation uh, what your dad actually does is because you write oh yeah your many columns you yeah. have one 
ongoing column at Engadget where you write about sex and technology. Right. Your dad just blogs with his mouth in front of a group of people that come to visit him once a week. He has a yeah. weekly column. It's a sermon. No, I mean, it is It is like, I, I legit cannot deny that my dad being a storyteller, like, affected what I did for a living, right? Like, there's no way for me to separate the two. He's like a really, uh-huh. he's, a, he's a great orator, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's like a really, he's like a, a very interesting and very um uh relatable character what are your parents relationship like with sotir what's that sort of blending of families like so they are jama and japa i love this do you spell like jaja gabor duh all right good (laughs) just making sure right that was the inspiration clearly (laughs) and what about your um i believe you described her as hyper conservative Sister? <laughs> <laughs> well, she won't listen to the show, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> All right. Her thing is like, oh, I, you know, I'm like this very big hearted conservative person, ah. right? When in reality, I know she's hella talking shit behind her backs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you want to have your own children in that, like, children that you actually raise for yourself someday? Oh, hell no. Really? No, I think this is like the perfect, perfect setup. Yeah. I remember when you first told me about her. Yeah. That you you told me something very similar and that you're like, it's all like the good parts. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, I also get to see how my DNA plays out and she's beautiful. <laughs> well, yeah, that is great. <laughs> but also then you you end up with these things where it's like uh, her mom the other day was like, did you have an underbite? And I was like, Ugh, what? Does your family have an underbite? Like, <laughs> no. Right. But like, it's like things like that where she's like, and why didn't you tell me that your family has a a history of heart disease? I'm like, I thought I disclosed everything. Right. I got a fucking physical. Uh huh. Right. Interesting. That's kind of bizarre. Is. But there are things that it is like that. It is like this amazing view into what it would be like to have a child without having to have a child. Right. Like I do get to see what a version of me would play out like in the world mm-hmm. and I can have my input where I want to and then not have it where I don't have to. Yeah. Like, I don't have to be there for the dif- the difficult parts. I get to decide to be there if I want to be. I feel like some people will hear this and hate me. Yeah. And I can't <laughs> put my finger on why right now as I'm trying to imagine. <laughs> Cause I mean, everything was done. This full- I guess the idea of getting sort of the benefit of like, child love and sort of all the good things with none of the bad of parenting almost feels like what is he cheating is this allowed but it is allowed because you're all consenting adults and you chose to do it well yeah and and like to be fair i think that most people most people's relationship with with having children or or childbearing or whatever Mm -hmm. is so easy or can be so easy for us it's it's much more difficult right? right so yeah, I get to have it easy in some ways, but like... It's still difficult in many others. The process was insane. It was yeah. either going to cost them thousands and thousands of dollars or they were going to have to like search for people, mm-hmm. you know, far and wide who would be willing to have a child with them. And it still did cost thousands, I would imagine, because oh, yeah, all between the all and... the flights and everything, I mean, in addition to actually what it costs to like have a baby, yep. but the process itself is pretty expensive even if you're not literally going to a clinic to get it done. Totally. And it's not like you're just, you know, fucking... And it's done. Like, that's yeah. cheap. That's easy. <laughs> like, I hate you for having it so easy, y'all. Yeah. If, if you're hating out there. No. Yeah. Actually, I don't think so. I think our listeners will be supportive okay. and curious. Would you 
donate sperm again or would it have to be some very, you know, like if say there was another couple, like, do you see this as something that like, you're like, you're happy to donate sperm or do you see it as like, this is a special relationship? I suppose if you were to have another child, that would be part of this little girl's life in some level, you know, I mean, they don't have to necessarily, but it is sort of this feeling of this expanding kind of new web of family. Right. My dad likes to call <laughs> Oh, I've got to hear. What, what does Preacher so during, Trout call this? During his sermon, he he kept on referring to it as the new normal, which you know is a TV show. He also, you know, referred to us as a modern family. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you think it gives him a little, like, progressive street cred? That, I like, think he yeah. thinks it does. And I think that, honestly, I think that in New Mexico and the small town that he lives in, it probably does a little bit. Like, people yeah. are like, oh, pop culture preacher. This guy's cool, right? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there with my friends like, oh, you guys, he's just like, you know, he's just a dad. It's dad jokes. Yeah. Yeah. What's the first time you remember feeling like like you desired someone? Oh, man. Um, it was Tom Selleck, I think. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, and this is like, this is some weird daddy issue stuff <laughs> that I'm getting into now. My dad at the time was like, he's a pretty fit human being, you know? He's like a black belt in two di- different types of karate, and he keeps himself like super, you know, like fit. And I was... I was young. I was like maybe like 11, maybe mm-hmm. 10 or 11 or something like that. And uh, it was like my dad was kind of that 80s sort of stereotype of yeah. a white heterosexual male. He wore like short shorts and had a perm and a big mustache <laughs> and shit. And I remember we were watching uh, Magnum P.I. together and I was just like, oh, it's like that. Right. Like it was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. This guy's super hot. I still like. I'm still in love with Magnum PI. Uh huh. Um, but it is weird because looking back on it, I realized dude looks like my dad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was being like, wait, where's the dad part? Okay, I see. Yeah. Do you still go for that type of guy? Yeah, the cop actually kind of looks like. Uh, yeah. Last time I saw you, you had just started dating a policeman. Uh huh. And you're still with him? Yeah. How did it's you like, guys meet? Uh, grinder. The cop and I are not committed currently. He has a name, but I'll just call him the cop. No, let's just call him the cop. That's Uh, good. Right? Uh, So, and that's what I call him to most of my friends. Sorry, Bob. (laughs) Uh, but anyway. Couldn't you also just say that you guys are in a committed relationship that is also an open relationship? (sighs) Like, if he, like, if you texted him and he didn't reply for, like, three weeks, would you be pissed? How do you feel about open relationships? Do you just let not like the term open relationship? Is that what it is? That you're like, I don't like the rules. I don't like your words. Call me Jaja. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, hey, that's, that is that's, your right. You call your shit whatever you want to call you it. You know what I'm saying? That's how I identify Maureen. <laughs> and who am I to doubt it? <laughs> so growing up, you described having a crush on Tom Selleck when mm, you were mm-hmm. like, how old were you? Like 10 or 11. And like I said, it's continued. Yes. And you have an ongoing obsession with cops that look like Tom Selleck. (laughs) Right. It never went away. Did you at the time think like, I'm gay? 
or it wasn't coherent. No, like that. and I don't think that like I. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't come out of the closet until I was 21 or two. Okay. And I didn't actually have sex until I was 20, I think. And when I did, it was with a woman. And I continued to have sex with women for years after that. Um, So when you came out at 21, it was sort of theoretical then? Well, it was like, I'm bisexual. Oh, okay, I see. It was like a creep. I did like the slow creep out of the closet, which is such a... It's a cop out, honestly. <laughs> I mean, not to say that there's a right way to come out of the no, closet, yeah. but I do have feelings about the way that I did, right? Uh-huh. Like, I think that, like, I could have been more honest with myself. I could have been more uh, aggressive about it, although I didn't oh. really need to be. You also just um, being really hard on yourself. You were 20. Yeah. Well, you know, like, I think in retrospect, maybe I would have done things a little bit differently, but I also don't hate myself for it. Like I'm not beating myself up. Like, yeah, well you had sexual energy. You didn't know know where to place it. Right. Um, but I was also in like extreme denial and I don't think that there was a point at which I really admitted it to myself until I was, I think a junior or no, I was a senior in high school. It was like Mm -hmm. right after graduation And I was on a mission to South Texas where there had been this big flood and we Mm -hmm. were doing Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. With your father's church? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, they were living in Odessa, Texas, which is a super small town. Isn't that the one that like Friday Night Lights is based on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my dad played for that football team growing up. So there's like a big family history there, you know. So you're doing Habitat for Humanity. So we're doing Habitat for Humanity. There is this dude who's in the Marines who's also there. He's like, uh, I think he graduated a couple years earlier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were putting shingles on this roof all day. And then at the end of the day, it was like, okay, so we're going to go to the local middle school and shower. Mm -hmm. And I was just like... Oh, fuck. Right. Like knowing, knowing in the back of my head, but not really admitting that I'm gay, but also knowing that there's a possibility that I might like pop a boner in front of a bunch of dudes. Oh, my goodness. Um, But yeah. So anyway, this dude is there and he's got the world's worst tattoo. He's got a fucking a fucking like lucky shamrock on his ass. Oh, my goodness. Right. And I'm just like salivating like, oh, my God. It's the sexiest thing you've ever seen. Right. I've got to like, I've got to be or whatever. Right. I've got to be in the corner facing the corner because I'm like, (laughs) oh, my God, this is. Uh, But that is like that moment was like the moment where I was like, okay, I'm gay and I have to deal with that. And also, I don't believe in God and I have to deal with that because like, why would God put me in that position? That was like the moment for me. Really? Yeah. So your crisis of faith was like directly tied to my sexuality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so sad. It isn't. It isn't. I, I honestly think it was like hyper liberating, right? Uh Like to figure out, oh, I don't have to deal with this part of my life that has always been super torturous and awful for me. And Wait, which part are you are you doing right now? Oh, I'm sorry. That's the religion part. Okay, <laughs> the cool. The gay part also was that right part. Right hand is religion. Until... Left hand is... All right. He, he's gesturing with his hands. Yeah, and I masturbate clear. with my left, so that makes sense. Right? <laughs> all right. Um, are you left-handed? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Do you know anybody... I mean, I don't know how Who often Who masturbates you, with not their, their hand they write of, with? Yeah. I don't know. It never occurred to me until right now. Do y'all masturbate with your... Non-dominant hand? Yeah. Call in. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Do you masturbate with your non-dominant hand? 
Use your other hand to call Sex Lives and tell us all about it at 646-494-3590. That's 646-494-3590. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So it was a freedom from... Now I forgot. Oh, right. So we were so talking about the right hand, hands. left hand thing. Uh, so I was in some ways freed up from dealing with religion, which had always been a very huge part and a very uncomfortable part of my life because you were already sort of grappling with that. Yeah. And when you're, when you are a preacher's kid, it is like a very small version of being a celebrity's child, right? Like Mm -hmm. a very localized, very small version of that. But, and maybe this is the same for a celebrity, but there, those people that know you are all, on the same page about what's wrong and what's right. Oh. And if you don't fit that, then you're not right. And that can affect your dad's position in the church. It can affect his career. Right. Wow. So there's pressure on you from a very young age to act right and to dress right and to just be right and to be the way that these people expect you to be. And if you don't represent that, it becomes a very, it becomes problematic. It's interesting to me that you, when I asked you about like, you know, religious pressure that you immediately go to other people looking in, like if it would adversely affect your father, but not your father's judgment of you. Well, because my dad is not a hyper judgmental person. Mm-hmm. He's like, he is, uh, I think when Christians talk about, you know, like what would Jesus do? My dad is like as close to that as you can get uh, without being a perfect human being. Right. Yeah. Like he is very much the kind of person that like cares about all people, regardless of their situation and hopes that they will also love God as much as he does. Yeah. And if they don't cool, you know, like he's also a very smart person, you know, he's got a, he has a PhD or something in religion. If that's Mm -hmm. a thing, (laughs) I think it is right. (laughs) So you ended up coming out then in college or you came out as bisexual then when you were 20. So yeah. Did anyone doubt you when you said you were bisexual Was anyone like you're gay or no, you're not, you're straight. Uh, oh, people were constantly that way, right? Like, I mean, I got called faggot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And people were constantly, you know, like calling me out for being gay or... When people told you that, did you ever think, maybe I am? Or it was just like a... I mean, yes and no, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, well, no. And I always said no. I was like, yeah. no, that's not how it is. Like, fuck that. Like, you yeah. don't know me and you don't know... You don't you don't know my life. Yeah. How do you know? Um, but at the same time, I knew... I was gay and I was trying to mask it or whatever. Well, it's also separating out the fact that when someone says that to you as an insult and then you're like, well, the literal definition of that word might apply to me, but whatever you're saying, I'm not because what you're saying is an insult. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's, it's complex, right? Because I hadn't sort of accepted my identity as a gay person. Mm -hmm. So therefore was not gay or at least in my mind was not gay. I'd never acted on my gayness before. I mean, sexuality is so theoretical. Well, kind of in general, but particularly when you're young. Yeah. You can say you're gay or straight or whatever, but if you haven't acted on it, are you actually one or the other? I think so, yes. I I think that, you know... You're born with it, for sure, but... I think that... I think you can know your sexuality and you can change your mind or update the way you define it from... I mean, your sexual imagination does something. Sure. Um... Do you ever fantasize about men or women or both or neither? Yeah. All of them, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I think I've, I've definitely had, I've had sexual fantasies about most different types of people. Yeah. 
Like, I think it's kind of hard not to. And if you're denying that you have, you're probably full of shit. Well, like, there are other... I don't know. There are other actors in the picture sometimes of like whatever sex scene is turning you on or whatever yeah. idea is turning you well, on. Well, you know, like when I was when I was a kid, I would look at straight porn and every once in a while, every once like once every five years or something, I'll stumble upon some straight porn and be like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, you mean now that you'll be like, right. Doing your thing, you're like, oh, this is good but when I, I was, you know, when I was a kid, it was like straight porn, but I would pay attention to the dude. Well, it's also just what you have access to that. Like sex is sex. Sex can be arousing on its own. Even yeah. if it's not the type of sex that you personally want to have. Well, and this is, this is the thing that I've learned, you know, like doing the column that I do because mm-hmm. most of the stuff that's being produced like tech wise, right. The sort of like future dildos and shit. All this stuff are like porn for VR. All this stuff is made for straight people. Yeah. Right? It's not made for... Well, straight men. Straight men, like. specifically, yeah. Yeah. And occasionally women, when you're talking about the toys, like teledildonics are... Right, that's true. ...made for straight couples. There's um, a lot of sex toys for women, and then there's a lot of sort of, what does a man want to look at? Exactly. Well, and that's kind of the separation of the sex industry, right? Like, mm-hmm. a- along gender lines. But yeah, like in in this sort of situation, I, you know, I have to test certain things mm-hmm. um, and I have to test them in the way that they're intended to be tested. So I'll be, you know, like I'll be masturbating to a VR porn clip that's like three women. And that's like the least interesting to me. Yeah. But, you know, I can still I can still do it. I can still muster a boner if I need to. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You're the only person I know who's fucked his own self in one of his orifices, because I don't think right. anyone else is able to do that. Right. You, you need accoutrements. Good. But the other thing I always think about is the way you described the VR porn when you crawled inside a porn star's asshole. Mm-hmm. And you described it as womb-like. Yeah, well, I mean, like, what I would expect the womb to be like. Yeah, who knows? Right? <laughs> I mean, I guess we could find out if we really wanted to. Could um, we? Yeah, they've you got cameras and shit. Oh, and maybe. You can, but you won't get the full experience. Like being inside the porn star's anus yes. was like it was like this weird kind of like fleshy, warm, kind of like a little bit wet, but not super wet kind of situation. And it in the way it looked, because you weren't feeling anything on your no, no, no. Stuff. There wasn't like a haptic sex suit or any no. kind of other <laughs> multi-sensory virtual reality stuff going on. It was just strictly virtual reality. And they did an extreme close up in, inside a uh, sort of gaping anus, right? Yeah, like using some kind of like dildonic lens, I guess? No, they just got super close with whatever camera they were they using. stuck the camera right on up there. And you just got this view inside somebody's ass that you'd never seen before. It was just so beautiful. It was like pulsating, just like lightly pulsating. It was like (laughs) this perfect pinkish reddish color. And I don't know, like I never thought that I was attracted to, and I'm not like, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't boner inducing. I I wasn't getting like sexually aroused, but it was just like, that's kind of beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder if that's what Sochi felt like in the womb. Who knows? Maybe we all did. <laughs> maybe we maybe, all did. Or maybe your mom has a nightmare womb. Who yeah, knows? Who, who knows, knows what it's like in there? What if the asshole is prettier than the womb? That. We won't know. That's an interesting uh, who knows? proposition. <laughs> well, that's it for sex lives. 
So if you have thoughts about the proceedings, about, let's see, losing your religion and finding your sexuality, about alternative family units, who you would or wouldn't give your sperm to, what role of parenting is or isn't available, do you have a term for the bio dad? Jaja, do you have a special word yourself? Call in, tell us. It's 646-494-3590. And if you have specific questions for Chris, we'll get him on the phone and we'll find out. Duh. So thank you. Uh, Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Alana Milner. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. 